Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. The other day I was taking my car in for a service. They were checking the oil, and so it was going in for a particular thing. It was just a quick little thing to check everything's okay. The guy came to me and said, oh, have you seen your tires? Like they're completely, the alignment's completely out and the way they're wearing down. So I go from underneath the car and he pulls me into the workshop and I see how it's wearing down. And I was like, oh, like no, I'm not a tire guy. Some people find their identity in their tires of their car. I see some fists going up there. I'm not like that. For me, it's like I, I appreciate good quality. Like some things I won't sacrifice. But tires, like, I'll put the cheapest one on. I mean, it's just my tires, you know. So I was, like, a little bit bummed that I had to look at putting new tires on. But, you know, I think when your alignment's not, when it's off, you don't notice it at first, right? Do you? You just, it's not an obvious thing, you know. You have to really look closely and to start to, oh, there's actually wear and tear, and you can actually start to see it on the, the, the car. Until it's completely off, and you let go, you're driving, and you let go, and you start like hitting the curb, like it, the whole car pulls to the side, you know? So there are moments where things uh, are really obvious. But I think we have those moments in life where we start to notice like wear and tear. At first you don't notice, but then there's moments that you say, ooh, actually, and you start to look a bit closer and you start to, to feel those wear and tear moments, right? Maybe you, uh, we call them like red flag moments. Maybe you flip out with somebody at work or you... Uh, I just feel like you're having a really bad day, or you may, maybe you hit a point where you just feel so flat, like you've got nothing left, and you realize, like, oh my word, I've taken a lot of, a lot of wear and tear. And then maybe there's other times where it's like it's super obvious because you've been holding on so tight to the wheel of life, and you let go for a moment, and you just like pull completely off course, and you're like, oh my word, I'm way off course. We all have moments like that, hey? Yeah. You know, in the heart journey. We talk about, you know, when you're squeezed in situations, what comes out in those moments. And we have those like, ooh, where did that come from type moments. You get squeezed in a moment, something pops out, like, ooh, where did that come from, right? But it's so good to listen to those prompts and to pay attention to those red flags. They're like these red flag warning moments and not just to soldier on and brush them off. Stop and pay attention because I really believe those times are an invitation to come back to the Father's lap. It's an invitation to bring you back to a place of intimacy, to be loved, to be, uh, find security, to be realigned with the way he, how He sees you. I mean, would you mind giving me a bit of water? And just be reminded of, of who you are and to be really refreshed again so that when you are squeezed again in another moment, something beautiful comes out as your default. And so that process of realignment of how the Father sees you is so important because I think when we are fully aligned, when we come into alignment with our true nature, unlike tires that have wear and tear, we actually don't. We are not called to have wear and tear. In, in who we are. Thank you. You know, Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait, and you can see my props here. I mean, you can guess what these things represent, I'm sure. That I'll tell you about later. Um, but it says, Those who wait for the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's the ESV. And the, the Passion Translation says it like this. But those who wait for Yahweh's grace, aren't we the ones that have received Yahweh's grace? Will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles, run their race without growing weary, and walk through life without giving up. Walk through life without giving up. And friends, that's our dream for this community, that, not, that we would walk through life together and not give up. Not one person in this community would give up on life or on God. Now, I mean, about 20 years ago, we were part of a community uh, where we, got, where we uh, met each other and um, got married, or just before we got married, but made really good friends in a youth group. And do you know how many of them have completely abandoned their faith? They've given up on God, not on life. I have had some friends that have given up on life, and which is tragic. But they've given up on God, and there's no need to. They found their identity in a culture, in people, and not in the Father. And we are called to walk together and find our identity in Him and not give up on life. And so what I wanted to do today is I actually wanted to come back and revisit some of our core values. If you go onto our website, it's not a mission statement that never gets lived out. I want to come back to those things. Our dream for the commu this community and our core values. So we've got two things on our website. One says our dream, and the other ones are our four core values of things that we, we really value. And our dream for this community is that we would understand, you'll see there's two, heaven is home and heaven on earth lives. Our dream is that we would understand that our home is in heaven and then live heaven on earth lives from that place. I mean, if you think about Jesus' life, he came from heaven, brought heaven to earth, died for us. He died, not only died for us, he died as us, right? And absorbed us into himself. Galatians 2 verse 20 says that we were co-crucified with Christ. That means we were with Jesus on the cross. Not just someone that did something for us. No, no. He died as us. We were co-crucified with Jesus on the cross. And then he took us back to heaven. In a sense, seated at the right hand of the Father. Here's the throne. Um, but then also left us here on earth to demonstrate what heaven should look like. What our citizenship in heaven should look like here on earth. Uh, that's why he teaches us to pray in, in Matthew 6. Where he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What happens in heaven is being released through us as sons and daughters of God on earth today. And so it's our privilege. It's our privilege to be ambassadors of heaven. Ambassadors of our home. And we get to live here for a while. And we get to fulfill the original mandate. To spread his kingdom. Fill the earth, multiply, subdue it. Expand and extend his kingdom on this earth. That's our privilege as ambassadors, as sons and daughters. Okay. Uh, in Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. 
This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the earthly realm. Your crucifixion with Christ, co-crucified, right? Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And Christ himself is seen, sorry, and as Christ is seen, himself is seen for who he really is, you, uh, who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. Friends, we have to live with a sense of that dream. Heaven is home. Because it influences our every thought, our every decision, hence our every action and therefore every action, uh, every um, result or outcome of our actions. Because if we don't live by that reality, we end up playing by the completely wrong rules. It says there, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. It's a very strong word, right? Severed. Like completely cut off. If you think about a, a severed limb. The ESV puts that, that severed. It talks about there. It says, for you have died. You are completely dead. You in this coffin here. In the ground. Right? Your life is hidden now with Christ in, in, in God. And I just want to touch on our, our core values for a moment. As I said, I, I, got, I started on the dream and then I got stuck on the dream. But just to mention what our core values are. And they're family, worship, wholehearted living. Um, uh, we are all wells and dreaming with God. Sorry, five. Um, five core values. And isn't that so? We were welcomed into the most perfect family. We were born out of the most perfect family. And here we are welcomed into family. And in that place we get to come and worship in spirit, in truth, digest the word, but we get to worship together. Worship is a massive value of ours. And then wholehearted living, that we have been made completely whole and, and we're learning to steward what it feels and what it looks like to be completely whole so that we can be those ambassadors on earth. And then to get to a place of dreaming, what does it look like in heaven? What could it look like on earth? For us to enter into a place of dreaming with God. So um, that's all I'm going to do in terms of touching on those. But I just wanted to remind you um, of what those, those values were. And, but I honestly feel like we can't talk into those five values if you don't pass begin. Okay? If we don't get the gospel. If you don't get that you're a new creation. We can't pass begin. Because all you will hear when I speak into those, or anyone speaks into those things, is that you're not doing enough, or I'm not good enough. How much of this I am not, I am not, plagues your thoughts? You'll think things like, I don't have a place in this family. I can't get into worship. I'm not wholehearted enough. I'm not like so-and-so. No, that's not really for me. I'm more like a head guy, or, or whatever. Um, dreaming with God? And you're like, oh, maybe I can't even hear him. I mean dreaming with God. And so you can preach a whole year into all of these things and there's no life because you haven't passed begin. You haven't understood that heaven is your home and what your true identity is. Because guys, we, 
We can't try and live like heaven is home. It's not something that can be mustered up. You can't like, okay, yes, heaven is home. You need to be fully convinced inside of yourself that heaven is your home and of your new, your new creation. You know, if somebody had to come to me now and say that, actually, Rob, you were, I forgot to tell you, my mom's, you were actually born in America. I've grown up as a, as a South African, but actually you were born in America. If you suddenly told me that, I'd probably be rocked and I'd probably start to try and identify with myself as an American, right? I'll try and identify. Uh, maybe I'll buy a, a USA t-shirt or uh, I'll study up on their culture or I'll try and become a bit more American and start celebrating some of their holidays. But what will I default to? To what I know, to the culture that I'm immersed in as a South African. The day-to-day, -day, I might have moments of that, but the day-to-day, -day, I will fit back and I'll speak with a South African accent and I will identify myself as a South African. Probably call myself after that, not South African anymore, I'm like South African, and I'm, but I won't call myself American, I'll probably be like, oh, I'm a South African American, or, you know, and try and find identity in, in both of those. And I think that's the way sometimes Christians approach their, as Christians we approach we approach life, right? We try and identify with heaven. It's like, okay, are oh, you actually born from there? Um, okay, we try and identify with that place. Maybe we go and buy some Christian t-shirts. Maybe we try and study up on the culture. Uh, buy a Bill Johnson Culture of Heaven book. Got to study this culture. Um, but then they don't go and call themselves sinner Christians, right? Like, oh, okay, I'm here. Okay, I'm a sinner Christian. Um, no, we don't. We call ourselves Christians, but that's what they really believe, right? Have you ever heard that word, that saying, that you're a sinner saved by grace? You've heard that? Yeah. It's not biblical, right? It's not biblical. That's a belief in dual citizenship, right? I've got a dual citizenship ha happening here. I'm like halfway in between. Maybe you're here today and you're like, no, no, I, but, but like, I, that's what I believe. I, I can guarantee you there's people in this room that say, but like, no, I, I do believe that. I'm a sinner saved by grace, you know. And I want to say, no, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're now a saint saved by grace. Yes. There's no more dual citizenship, right? And guys, this is vital that we understand the difference because this is the crux of the gospel. The fact that you don't have a dual citizenship. Uh, anymore. You have a new identity and you are a new creation and you need to be able to live from that as your place of, of your identity. You know, if you see yourself, if this is you, if you see yourself as I'm a sinner that needs grace, it's your identity, it's in your fabric, right? This is who you are. And you can't permanently fight against who you are. And so what happens? You fall and you sin. And then you say, well, like, how many people have you heard? Like, I'm only human, you know. I'm just human. No, you're not just human anymore. And what that does, guys, is it empowers habitual sin that then comes. And because we know we're saved, we can come to the, the Father and receive grace. But we're coming with this as our fabric, right? And we, so that's the habitual sin, is that this is who I am, it's part of my fabric. I sin, and then I get to call out to grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. 
but you're not only human. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You are something completely new. The Greek word there, I think, is kairos, kainos, or kairos, but it means something completely new. It's not of the same, the same fabric. You are completely, completely new. You are completely new and ready for heaven. Because you know what? Nothing makes it into heaven unless it's completely new. Nothing except complete 100% purity can come into the Father's presence. And so what are you? You are now a saint that's been saved by His grace. Brand, brand new identity. So don't worry, because maybe you're a little bit confused now. I am going to deal with sin just now. Because maybe you're saying, yeah, but yeah, but I've got sin in my life. Like, Rob, I'm confused right now. And I think that's my whole point. This understanding of dual citizenship, complete, it brings confusion. And confusion doesn't lead to a heaven on earth life. Which is why we see so little of it sometimes. You know, if you are in a place where you see yourself as, I'm broken, but I need fixing, sin will be your default. But if you see yourself as, I'm fixed, completely fixed, but I need to now learn how to live within this new identity, within this new operating system, righteousness will be your default. As a man thinketh, so he is, right? You believe and act from what you believe in your deepest heart you are as your identity. As you think, so a man is. So I wanted to ask you, friends, are you completely convinced of your holiness today? You're not. Probably not, right? And that's why we need to constantly be reminded of the gospel, constantly come together in worship and have the truth wash over us. Well, we need to repent, go back to that high place, come into alignment with how God sees us for, our, for who we are and repent and come back to that high place. Because the gospel is an astounding mystery. It really is a mystery, this thing. And um, Paul uses it uh, in, in Ephesians, he uses it eight times. He keeps referring to this mystery. Colossians, he uses it four times and in many other places. But this mystery, this mysterious thing, like how can this be? It doesn't make sense. It says the mystery in Colossians 1.26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Not now revealed to sinners. It's now revealed to the saints. And it's boom, it's blowing minds because it doesn't make sense, right? That's what Paul prays in Colossians 2 verse 2. He said he prays for them to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. Assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And then he says from, he, after that, 
that you would have full assurance of this understanding. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There's many plausible arguments to refute what I'm saying here. Okay? But he's like, no, no, come into the understand this mystery so that nobody will be able to delude you with plausible arguments. There's lots of things on how you must do this and do that and have heavenly encounters and all of these things and fast and pray and do all of these things to get closer to God. I'm not against fasting and praying, but if you're doing it so that you can become acceptable and become a little less black and a little bit better in your Christianity, I'm very against it because it's, it's not the gospel. You're trying to work for your salvation. There are many plausible arguments because it doesn't make sense to the rational mind. You know, on uh, Friday night, we were at that rooftop thing where we were looking at this rain coming over the city, and I was chatting with a guy, um, Anthony, and he would listen to a podcast of how the difference between the Hebrew mind and the Greek mind, um, and just how that like, completely alters your whole world look, is that the Hebrew mind is, uh, is based in, in faith, and, and God, and what he says about things and you, and because of that, things are constant, things are fixed, there's certainty on certain things, whereas the Greek rational way of thinking that's based on rationality, intellect, um, it's completely variable. Because like, if I think like this, oh, but what about this? And then you hear, there's this, there's this un, it's change, right? And I think we are more influenced by Greek thought that it must be rational, it must add up, and we, we're moving all the pieces as Westerners. We're trying to move all these pieces together to understand this, and uh, we're trying to work it out, as opposed to the fact that we can't just accept by faith that we are brand new. Even though the scriptures tell us, right? It's like it's plain as day. The scriptures play, tell you you're brand new, you're a new creation. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but. Doesn't, and, so, and the wrestle in the mind undoes that, and we move away from the scriptures, as opposed to like, oh, I'm brand new. Woohoo! Like, and that's my starting point. Like, oh, wow. Really? Like, all that debt is off. I'm free. Really? No, no, I'll go and pay for it a bit. Let me pay for it, you know? So, um, off the back of that, I had a very weird dream on, on uh, Friday night. Um, off of this, I think it, it was off the back of that thought of, like, this rational constants, and then the Greek way of thinking, right? So there was this game show, and it was getting towards the end of the game show, the last bit, before the, the contestants were going to win, Donald Trump gets up <laughs> to announce the prize, as to, like, for, those, for the ones that win, this is going to be the prize, right? I mean, Donald Trump in my dream. And he gets up, and he's like, but he says it like it's going to be like, this is going to be, like, the biggest... Um, uh, Reward, like, like, just like, wait for it, you know, it's coming, and and he said, the winners will have 386 days a year of God's favor and approval, and I was like, I'm like, 386, is that like a, a Zuma thing, or is he that stupid, you know? So, anyways, that was the dream, it, but he, it was this. I, I wake up, it's like, it was like. Guys, like, you won't believe what the prize is. It's 386 days a year of God's favor. Like, it's boom. Almost like the Hebrew thing of, versus a Greek guy, who's like, what's, where's the money, you know? And I just woke up, and I thought, like, that's quite weird. And I looked up 386, 
And in the, in the Strong's, under the Hebrew, um, 386, it said about that, perpetual, constant, perennial, ever-flowing. What? Hey? That is what we get to experience, perpetual, constant, perennial, overflowing favor of God. That's our prize. You know, is that enough? No, no, give me the prize money. Money or the box, you know. Give me the prize money versus like, oh, wow. You see that, that that's almost like the Hebrew way of thinking, oh, oh, to be filled with the favor of God. 386 days a year, eh? Um, Guys, there's a plausible rational, rational argument to say that if you can still sin, that you're still a sinner and you're not completely holy. Yet Colossians 1.21 says, And you, who were once hostile and alienated uh, in your mind, doing evil things, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Holy, blameless, above reproach before him. Nothing else can be good enough for the Father. So we need to stop being so Greek-minded, right? So this is your old self. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespass in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of of disobedience among whom we all we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind we were by nature the children uh, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, you couldn't help it. When you were in that old body, you couldn't help it. No no one can blame you for sinning even because it was part of your fabric. It was your nature, right? It was your very nature. That's why um, Paul uh, Paul in um, Romans 7, speaking about the old man, not his new man, says, what a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he goes on to say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? Thanks be. He will rescue us from this body of death. Because he died. He was buried. And then he rose again. And he not only died for us, but as us. On the cross, we were taken. We were made completely new. It's not like there's two, two natures that are still hanging around post the cross, right? We've been made completely new. It's not like half and half. Like we've still got this Cruella de Vol thing happening, you know? Right? It's not two dogs warring inside of ourselves. I don't know if you've ever heard that description of two dogs, right? There's lots of yes, yes here. I, I looked it up, and it's about this Native American who comes to a missionary and talks about the struggle that's going on inside of him. And um, I'll read it. It says, the native described this conflict within himself as a dog fight. He said to the missionary, I have a black dog and a white dog inside of me fighting each other constantly. 
The black dog, he explained, represented evil and the white dog represented good. The missionary asked him, which dog wins the fight within you? After several moments of silence, the native said, the dog that wins is the one I feed and the dog that loses is the one I starve. Guys, do you know how many people buy into that as the reality of their Christianity? Is that I've got this black dog inside of me, but as long as I starve it enough, if that's starved enough, you know, this thing is going to win. It's like the, 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 the devil on either shoulder. This is going to win if I starve this. But like, oh, you're never, com- you're never free of this. This dog's inside of you, yeah. right? Yeah. It's completely l- ludicrous. The black dog is dead. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. It is dead. It's not this wrestle inside of you. You are completely free. When things come on you, you are new. You're not half and half. You know, Paul put it this way. He talked about it like uh, in the terms of circumcision. Can you be half circumcised? Can I have any volunteers today? We're going to do a circumcision, but I'm only going to cut halfway through. Okay? That's wrong, right? Yet we believe there's a bit of this old nature hanging on. It's gross. It's dead. That old nature is dead and it's rotten and it's stinky and it's not hanging on somewhere. It's completely free. Circumcision is completely off. (laughs) Colossians 2.11 In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, chopped off, dead, dead, dead. I don't think South Africans get what dead means. That's why you'll hear a guy saying to another guy, I'll kill you dead. (laughs) Not I'll just kill you, I'll kill you dead. Right? In this baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, And you who were dead in your trespasses, in an uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. No accusation can be made against you. No accusation. That's not me. It's like, oh, you did, no, no. Oh, that, no, that's that. That was my old life. That's not me. It's not, I can't go to jail for this. It's not me. It's off. Goes on to say, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. He triumphed over. There's no more accusation. You know, it's like, it's like in the England match yesterday. There's two minutes to go and it's 32-12. And what could the English do? I mean, they could they have to just do, but all they could really do is cry, right? <laughs> I mean, even the cameraman's like, the two minutes to go, it's impossible. They can't win. They're already engraving on the cup. Yeah. It's like, it's done. All you can do is cry. And um, I think it's the same with the principalities and powers. Demonic rulers and authorities can only cry 
when we understand this fully, this new nature self, because it's done then, no accusation can stand. And so therefore, you actually, you, you're untouchable. You're untouchable. And it's like, if we get this, heaven on earth will be demonstrated. Because no fine-sounding argument can then set you off balance if you truly, truly understand that this is you. Heaven is home. And so what are we encouraged to do? We're encouraged to put on this new self. Okay? In Colossians 3, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. So how do we do that? We need to be taught to put on this new nature, to start living with this new nature. Paul says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We are learning what this new image is like. What is our, how does our creator see us? Who we now are. We're made in the image of our creator. So why can we still sin? I've heard someone say, that's a good question. Why are you still sinning? Like, why are you still sinning? Right? Um, <clears throat> but I think the more we believe that we are completely free of sin and it's not part of our identity, the less we sin. So why do we sin? Um, I've heard it explained in, in two ways, which I thought were, were very helpful. Um, the one is, you know, if you, I don't know if you know anyone that's ever had an amputation, right? So if you, if you have a limb amputated, okay, you used to have a leg taken off by the knee, you've no longer got a limb, right? That limb is gone. But I don't know if you've ever heard about a thing called phantom pain. Okay, I looked up phantom pain. I have no leg, but I feel something. Therefore, I must have a leg. Okay? But phantom pain, it said, I looked it up, it's a perception that an individual experiences relating to a limb or an organ that is physically not part of the body. Okay? So surely, I've, I've, surely I've got a leg. I feel it. But you, no, no. You don't have a leg. It's off. It's gone. But, but I'm feeling the pain, right? It's something that's been cut off. Can you see the analogy? It's been cut off. It's not part of you anymore, yet you're still feeling it's phantom pain that you're experiencing, right? And I, I went on to read in this article that 80% of amputees experience phantom sensation at some time in their life. I think it's a very good analogy of our Christian life, right? At some point, people, 80% of people that have a limb feel that phantom pain. And what like, almost made me want to cry 
is that it went on to say some experience, some level of this phantom pain and the feeling in the missing limb for the rest of their lives. We're not called to live out the rest of our world life here before we go to heaven experiencing this phantom pain. Convincing ourselves in our rational mind that it still must be there because I can feel it. Right? I can feel it. It must be there. No, it's not there. The word says you have been made completely new. Another, another way I've heard it explained is that um, like your neural pathways, right? So um, you, you've even heard about muscle memory. I remember like walking to, to school to the bus stop and you walk, we walk through the felt and what do you do? You take the path of least resistance, the path that's been cut in the felt grass. Um, and that's how, that's how we work. We're so, um, we're so accustomed to certain things and ha- habitual things in our lives that we just take the path of least resistance, right? But when you start, um, so you come into the kingdom and you start going down paths that you're just used to, right? So, I mean, if you look at um, Paul, he's speaking to guys that are, um, he's just told them, you've made completely new, he's speaking to the believers here, but then he has to go on to say, now this is how you should live, Right? Okay? Now that this is who you are, this is how you should live. And he has to explain to them. Okay? Why? Because they were used to their normal customs. Because this is how you do everyday life. It's not like a, a switch that goes on. Even though you've been made brand new, you need to learn. Oh, that's, no, oh, that's not part of me anymore. Oh, I can do it like this. And be trained and be trained in, in, in that direction. That's why he's, to teach, he's speaking to the believers. like, don't sleep with the temple prostitutes. I mean, not like these guys, oh, you guys did, you out, you done, because you're going in your, your, your customs. And in those days, the, the temples had like male and female prostitution. It was part of the offering of the, the temples in those, um, those heathen nations, you know. Yes, he's like, no, no, that's not who you are anymore. We don't do that anymore. Like, you're not like you were fraught and now, okay, cool, you better come back. And, you know, like, sure, come back on a process of restoration, buddy, but you need to come back to the, to, to the life. No, no, this is who you are. That's not how we do things anymore. This is your new nature. And we've got other, that's, I mean, that's a very hectic one, but we've got our other things. We need to be trained in what is appropriate of our new nature. Because the more we hear the gospel, the more together in family we get together and we worship and we digest the word, the more we put on that new creation self, the more we look like a beautiful Jesus. The more we are going to live heaven on earth lives. Guys, do you see it? Do you see it? That you are completely new. You know? This thing of like, oh, but but I'm I'm not as good as so and so. Oh, he's a really good Christian. You know? I'm not quite there yet. You know? What you guys, no, I've got, and you, and all the me, 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 you stuck carrying around a dead thing on you, working with phantom pains. It's got no place in you. Do you know how much inner healing will be dropped? And you need that as well. But a lot of stuff that I've been through in the past, when I got, when I understood the gospel, and then I had to get whacked again yesterday, understanding it again, and again, and again, not yesterday, whatever, the last little bit this week. Of like, oh my word, this is who I really am. 
You know, it's like, oh, I don't have to walk around with this dark cloud. You know, depression. You've got no space in me. This is not my inheritance. This is where I'm seated with Christ, brand new. Thought comes on me, whatever, lustful thoughts, you know. Oh, like I can't believe I think like that. No, no, where did that come from? Get off. That's not of me. This is my new nature. Come with all your fine-sounding arguments. That's all the devil has, is his fine-sounding argument, his Greek uh, arguments trying to hit your logic. If you really are the Son of God, if you really are so pure and holy and you're a Christian, why then? No, no, that's not who I am. And the more we practice and we put these things off and the more we grow in the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, the more we start to look like our beautiful Creator. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us to destroy uh, something along the line of like destroy the fine-sounding arguments. You know, our wrestle, wrestle is not against flesh and blood. Pull down the strongholds and the what's that? Yeah, yeah. But before that, it's like just taking down strongholds. Um, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Okay? Every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, you are to take down and you to take every thought captive. Okay? Something's going to come and set itself up against the knowledge of God? No, no. Take it off. You're off. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And the next thing, you are free. You actually are free. And you start to manifest the freedom and start to look like your beautiful creator. And so, guys, I just... I wanted to end on that, but just to, to say, like, go and dig into this. The red flag of I am not this, I, 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 I. If you are engaging in thoughts like that, you need to see that you're actually engaging in a, a life and an inheritance that doesn't have to be yours, right? Even though there's some of that stuff that's going to be come over you and you're going to sin and stuff will happen and, and then you're like, no, no. No, 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 no. And you actually, but when you're stuck in this wrestle that this is part of my identity, you're done. You're done. And you will spend the rest of your life fighting phantom pains. And then you'll get to heaven one day and you'll, oh, my boy, my daughter, look what I had for you. Why didn't you just believe? You're free. You're free. You're completely free of that. Like you could have gone through life soaring like we read about in in Isaiah in the beginning not growing tired or faint or weary because when I'm not dealing with those thoughts there's lightness, there's joy, there's freedom there's everything that has place in heaven starts to manifest um, around me on earth can we stand? You know, in the prayer meeting earlier, we just said, you know, when the sun comes up, it dispels the darkness of the night. There's no wrestle. Sun comes up, light disperses. And I just pray that for each and every one of us this morning, that there would be that light that comes on that completely sets you free. I feel like I just want to, even like heaviness right now, I really, I just feel like the Lord wants to, just want you to shrug it off. Shrug it off. Any level of heaviness that you are feeling, not because nah, I'm going to f- shrug this off. No, no. Because the light has come. You are brand new. And Jesus, I just pray for every one of our hearts, Jesus, that you would 
give us a deeper and deeper revelation of this. That we would grow in our knowledge of this mystery, which is Christ in us. That brings hope and glory into our lives. Father, I pray that we would experience what every holy believer was designed to experience, the freedom in you, Father. Father, I thank you that you, you give us revelation of this in our heart, Lord. That it wouldn't just be a, a head knowledge thing, but that we would experience the light and all the benefits that flow with being one of your holy saints. Love, joy, peace. Father, I pray that the light would be so clear today in that regard, so that as we go into this week, every time anxiety, fear, depression, worry, um, anger, all of these things, when those things pop up, Father God, that it would just be, it would be like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I don't have to engage in that anymore. Father, you've set me free of that. And Holy Spirit, I just, I just commit all of our hearts into your hands this morning. That you would take us on this journey. This journey of freedom. This journey that is from glory to glory. Bless us this morning, we pray, Holy Spirit. And Father, I just pray that you seal this truth in our hearts. Seal this truth in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that you would make every single one of us vigilant to guard our hearts, to guard our minds, our thoughts against every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of you, Jesus Christ. That we would be quick to acknowledge those things and put them aside with your truth, with your word. We love you, Jesus. We love you that you would give us such a freedom. Amen. Thank you. Guys, I feel, are you doing home group this week? You're not. Next month, next week. Are you closed? Oh, is it? Next week will be the last one. I feel a couple of anti uh, Neen, um, Shane, I think you guys also went yesterday, but eh? To Heidi Baker. I just feel like they went there and got rocked at Heidi Baker. I almost like wanted to give the whole morning to, to you guys today to, to take over. But I just feel like we need to get a download from what you guys experienced. And so if that fits a Wednesday a week, it would be great if we could do that or else we do something else. But I just really feel like it would be great to, to get a download from what you guys experienced there because it sounded like it was amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyone that needs prayer, very happily pray with you. Um, anyone that wants to shoot me? <laughs> Bring it. But yeah, I am very, I am very happy to talk because I realize so, a, a talk like this needs, it needs dialogue. It needs dialogue and working through and chatting through. So um, I'm very happily do that if, if it didn't sit right with you. Yeah. Love you guys. Thank you, babe. Have a beautiful day. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, 
please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca.